Well, a couple of weeks ago, it's crazy, it's been a, a few weeks, but a few weeks ago we began Joshua chapter 5, and if you'll remember, the title of that message was Preparation. Uh, one of the statements that I made about the beginning of Joshua chapter 5 was that the Lord's command to the Israelites was given to them to prepare them for what was to come. So every step that God was taking the Israelites, uh, He was preparing them for what was going to happen. And so we saw a lot of preparation uh, that God had for His people. And as we continue to move into Joshua chapter 5 and even into Joshua chapter 6, we're going to see precision tonight. Uh, We're going to see precision. And and that's what I want to focus on is the precision of God's commands. Listen, God didn't just say, hey, uh, go do this. He said, go do this at this time. Go do this in this way. I mean... He gave them literally every detail to follow. He was very precise with his commands, especially uh, to Joshua. Now, as you know, they're about to enter into the city of Jericho, right? That's where we're getting. We're getting to Jericho. Um, So I want to start off right here at the end of chapter 5 before we move into chapter 6. Let's look at verses 13 through 15. The Bible says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So before we move into 16, let's look at this encounter that Joshua had. First of all, let's talk about Joshua. Joshua displayed courage, right? He was courageous before this this stranger, this, this being, this person. So he displayed courage, but why? Because he was walking obediently in the will of God. Uh, That's what I love about Joshua. Joshua is known as a man of courage. But he wasn't courageous because of himself. He was courageous because of the God he loved and served. It was his God that gave him courage to stand before his enemies, before anyone. Uh, Joshua was not arrogant. He was confident. There's a difference there. He was not arrogant. He was confident. He was walking faithfully with God. And I'm going to tell you, I believe we can walk like Joshua did. We can walk in confidence. Uh, We can walk faithfully with God. Uh, We can be obedient. And God will give us the courage to face anyone at any time and anywhere. Now, we know that this is the commander of the Lord's army. And in his response, he shows us something. Right? The commander of the Lord's army represented God and not man. What did Joshua ask him? Are you for us? <laughs> or are you our enemies? And his, resp- his reply was what? Neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. That's what he said. In other words, I represent God, not man. His message was from God. And he made sure that Joshua understood that the place where he was standing was holy. It was holy because he was about to deliver the Word of God to Joshua for the Israelites. Uh, Joshua 
was not worshiping the angel. He was not worshiping the commander of the Lord's army. He fell in reverence to the commander of the Lord's army, but he was worshiping God. And so that's what Joshua was doing. He was reverent and he was obedient in the presence of God and in the presence of his messenger. And so again, we see very precise information, very precise details. Before he goes any further, he's preparing Joshua in holiness. Do you see that? He said, you're standing on holy ground. And so let's get our hearts right before we go any further. That's what I get out of it. And so then we move into Joshua chapter 6. Now I'm going to read the first five verses. We'll talk about that and then we'll move forward. So let's look at Joshua 6 verses 1 through 5. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in, or no one went out, and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. I'm going to tell you, just in those five verses, do you see the precision, right? Do you see the exact wording, detail for detail, that the commander of the Lord's army is giving Joshua? See, God, I love this, because God has already given victory to Joshua. Do you see that? He's already given him victory. He's already given victory to Joshua and the Israelites. We see that in verse 2. God says, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Do you see that word, delivered? That is past tense, okay? I'm an English teacher now, right? It doesn't say, I will deliver. It says, I have delivered. In other words, it's already done. God has already given them victory. And so I love that. Uh, As a matter of fact, I love Dr. Tony Evans, the way he says it. He says Joshua was fighting from victory, not for victory. That's what he says. He was fighting from victory, not for victory. It reminds me of what Paul says. You know what Paul says in Romans 8, 31? He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? I believe the answer is simple. If God is for us, then it don't matter who's against us. (laughs) That's what that says to me. If God is for me, then it don't matter who's against me. No matter how many no matter how powerful, because there's no one, there's nothing more powerful than my God. And so Jericho, let's talk about Jericho for a minute. Jericho was a fortified city. I mean, these walls were huge, and they they felt secure behind their walls, right? They, They trusted their walls for security. So you're talking about a city with huge gates, gates that are bolted and barred shut, Walls that are extremely high, extremely thick as well. Dr. David Jeremiah tells us this. He says Jericho was situated 
exactly in the center of the valley that separated the north from the south. It was strategically located in that Israel could not just circumvent it. Once Israel had destroyed Jericho, which was the heart of Canaan, the enemy's forces would be unable to come together as a coalition. So it's no coincidence that God led Joshua and the Israelites to this place and that the first place they would have to go in and conquer would be Jericho. That's not a coincidence, right? This is precise planning, precise preparations, precise commands. God has laid it out perfectly for Joshua and Israelites. And what we see from a strategic standpoint is that once God gives them victory in Jericho, now their enemies can't form coalitions and come against them. It disrupts all of that. This was the heart of Canaan. That's what Dr. David Jeremiah says. So God, what did He do? God gave Joshua a strategy. And that strategy was unconventional from the world's point of view. Now we're going to talk about that strategy in just a minute. But I love this. Theologian Francis Schaeffer says, Joshua did not take the city merely by a clever human military tactic. No, he took the city with a strategy from God. I love that. We need to remember that God's ways and God's wisdom, right, it's far, far above our own. As a matter of fact, we would have no wisdom if God didn't give it to us. And it reminds me, Isaiah. Isaiah says that his wisdom is far above our own. And so Isaiah had it right. God's wisdom is far above our own. His ways are higher than our ways. His plans Sometimes we don't understand it, but I'm going to tell you something. Even when we don't understand it, what is God looking for? Say it loud. Obedience. Obedience. Even when we don't get it, even when we don't understand, what God is looking for is obedience. We don't have to understand. If God says go, we go. If God says stop, we stop. If God says move to the left, we move to the left. We don't have to understand it all. We just have to obey. And that's what I love about Joshua. God gave him precise instructions and he obeyed. So let's talk about those instructions. Are you ready? Now you've got a bunch of blanks here. I'm going to try to go slow, but it will be on the screen, okay? First of all, the armed men march around Jericho once per day for six days, okay? So they march around the city walls one time Six days straight. Followed by seven priests. And those seven priests would be blowing trumpets. On the seventh day. So after they've done that for six days. Once per day for six days. On the seventh day, they march around the city seven times. And when the priests sound a long blast of the trumpets, what are they supposed to do? Give a shout. Now, if you were a part of the Wednesday night Bible study, you would know, right? And I shared it this morning. In Psalm 100, the very first word is, shout to the Lord. In the Hebrew language, the word that is used for shout is always in reference to victory. It's always in reference to victory. I don't think that's a coincidence. 
the messenger said, once this has been done, march around the city once per day, six days. March around the city seven times on the seventh day. And when they blow one long blast, what are you supposed to do? Shout. Shout. Why? Because of the victory that God had already given them. Again, what did he want? He wanted obedience. Just do what I say. Do it when I say to do it. Do it how I say to do it. Now, verses 6 through 14 tell us that Joshua and the Israelites did exactly what God told them to do. So just as God gave them precise commands, Joshua led the Israelites in precise obedience. We're going to do it exactly the way God says to do it. And they did. So look at verse 15. It says, On the seventh day they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it. Now pay attention because these are commands that God gave Joshua and he's now giving his people. So pay attention. Verse 17. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. Verse 18. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring, bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into His treasury. Now, From what we see in the scripture, God only told Joshua his precise plans and then Joshua delivered those plans to the people. And he delivered them to the people one step at a time, one day at a time. But the Bible tells us up to this point, what did the Israelites do? What did they do? They obeyed, right? I mean, they wouldn't be where they are if they didn't. So up to this point, they've obeyed. And what we see in Joshua and the Israelites up to this point. Now let me ask you this question. Is Joshua perfect? Nope. Are the Israelites perfect? Nope. So don't get your hopes up. Just when you think, wow, uh, disappointment's not far behind. <laughs> so, but up to this point, this was a powerful demonstration of faith for Joshua and the Israelites. They are demonstrating, right? They're demonstrating the faith that they have in God. We trust you, God. We'll go where you tell us to go. We'll walk where you tell us to walk. We'll we'll stop when you tell us to stop. Up to this point, they're demonstrating a great faith. I love the writer of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 11, verse 30, By faith, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. That's what the writer of Hebrews said. Joshua relayed the instructions to his priests first and with careful placement of the ark, 
which was the presence of God, he then relayed the instructions to the soldiers who would march. Dr. Warren Wiersbe says this, and, and talking about Joshua as a leader. Listen to what Dr. Warren Wiersbe says. It's important that leaders receive their orders from the Lord and that those who follow them obey their instructions. As with the crossing of the Jordan River, so also the conquest of Jericho was a miracle of faith. Joshua and his people listened to God's orders, believed them, obeyed them, and God did the rest. I had to quote Warren Wearsby there because he said it better than I did. Right? They listened to God, they believed God, they obeyed God, and God did the rest. Now let's stop for just a minute and let's get, a, let's get away from Joshua and Jericho and let's, let's take a look at our own lives. Is that how it works in your house? Is that how it works in your life? When you hear the Word of God, right, you listen. Do you, do you believe what God is saying? And if you believe what God is saying, do you obey with precision? Do you go when God says go? Or do you, do you pray one more time? Right? I've said that before. I think many times we hide behind our prayers sometimes. Well, I, I want God to, I want to make sure, I want to make sure that's what God told me to do, so I'm going to pray again. And then, well, I, I want to pray. Well, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. When God's already said go, right? If he says go, why do you have to pray about it? Why don't you pray while you're going? Right? Exercise the faith that God has given you. Don't just listen. Don't just believe. Obey. Obey. That's the key. He talked about Rahab, right? Rahab demonstrated faith as well. Did you know that? Rahab demonstrated faith as well, and she and her family lived because of it. You say, Brother Jeff, how can you say that Rahab demonstrated faith? Well, it's not my word, it's the word of God. Hebrews, I didn't put this on your handout, but you might want to write it down. Hebrews eleven thirty one. Here it is. The word of God, not the word of Jeff. The word of God. By faith, the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So yes, even Rahab, right? She demonstrated faith. She demonstrated faith. And because she demonstrated faith, all of those with her lived. Her family lived. So obedience. I want, you to, talk, I want to talk to you about obedience for just a second. Obedience was key. It was the key before, during, and after the victory that God promised the Israelites. Obedience. It was the key before they ever got to Jericho. It was the key while they were standing in Jericho. And it's going to be the key after Jericho as well. Obedience. So as we see, Joshua made it very clear. He could not have been more clear with his words. Here's what he said. Keep away from the devoted things. Why am I stressing that? Because next week you're going to see, you're going to see, uh, you're going to see sin. That's what you're going to see. And what did he say? He said, if you sin, who will be held responsible? Yeah. 
Israel. All, right? I mean, we will all be in trouble. That's what he says. I mean, go back and look at it. He said we will all, right? All be in trouble if you do this. So, the city fell. Rahab and her family were the only ones who spared. Everything and everyone else would be destroyed. Uh, As we see in verses 20 through 25, I'm not going to read them all, but you can go back and look at it. In verses 20 through 25, the city would be burned to the ground. The silver, the gold, the bronze, and the iron, they were to be taken and put into the treasury of the Lord's house. So, I'm going to stop right there. And uh, like I said, when we get into the next chapter and the next verses, you're going to see that uh, just when you thought, right, obedience, 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 uh, disobedience, it, it comes right in. And you're going to see the devastating effect it had uh, on Joshua and the Israelites and on the one, on the one who did it. Um, so, I want to leave you with two points, and these are two points that I have stressed so far throughout the book of Joshua, and I'm going to keep stressing them. Number one, when God makes a promise, He keeps His promise. When God makes a promise, He keeps a promise, and I'm going to use that twofold. He made a promise to Joshua that they would have victory, right? He said, I have already delivered Jericho in your hands. God made a promise Joshua and the Israelites obeyed, and what did God do? He kept His promise. The city fell. But God also made a promise through Joshua to the people, right, that if you take the devoted things, the things that belong to the Lord, you will be held accountable. Yeah, when God makes a promise, He keeps His promise. I know we always think about, oh, the the good and the beautiful things, but when God says don't do something or this is going to happen, He keeps that promise too. And so we need to make sure we understand that. God makes promises and He keeps them. Always. Always. And then secondly, what does God want from you? What does God want from me? I've said it already tonight, but I'm going to say it again. First of all, God wants our surrender. He wants us to surrender to Him. He wants all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our soul all of our strength. He wants our surrender. But He also wants our obedience. He wants us to do what He says to do. He he wants us to do it how He says to do it, when He says to do it, where He says to do it. God wants our surrender. He wants our obedience. Why? It is for our good and for His glory. When God wants you to do something, it's always for your good. Now, it may not feel good. It, It may not look good with your eyes. But I'm telling you, if God wants something for you, it'll always be for your good in the big picture, right? In the big scheme of things, God will always work for your good. And when you respond with surrender and obedience, what you are doing is you're glorifying God. So God wants your surrender and He wants your obedience. Why? It is for your good and for His glory. Because I'm going to tell you, people ask me all the time, Brother Jeff, uh, what does God want from me? What does God want with my life? I'll tell you what He wants. He wants you to glorify Him. It really is that simple. He wants you to glorify Him in your marriage. He wants you to glorify Him as a parent. He wants you to glorify Him at school. 
He wants you to glorify Him at work. He wants you to glorify Him at church. He wants you to glorify Him at the Christmas festival. Right? He wants you to glorify Him in the kitchen. He, God wants you to glorify Him. He created you in His image. You are His image bearer. He, he breathed life into your nostrils. He did that. You wouldn't be alive if God didn't make you alive. And so He caused you to live so that you could, could bear His image and give Him glory. It really is that simple. Now, I can't tell you where you're supposed to work. <laughs> I, I can't tell you who you're supposed to marry or where you're supposed to live. I can't tell you that. Only God will show you that and do that. But I can tell you this, wherever it is, with whomever it is, and whatever it is, the goal is the same. Glorify God. Glorify God with your body. Glorify God with your words. Glorify God with, with your life. If you'll do that, I'm going to tell you, uh, God's kingdom will advance in your house, in your school, in your church, in your community. This is a great chapter. Uh, I love this chapter. Uh, I'm not so keen about the next chapter, but it is what it is. Um, and the reason I'm not so keen about it is because it's who we are. It's who we are. God, God does for us. God does for us. God does for us. And we turn our backs on Him time and time again. Let me ask you a question. We've been... We've been giving thanks the last four, five, six weeks. How many, are you, how many of you are thankful for grace? Right? God's grace. God, you, you know me. You know I've blown it. You know I've blown it more than once. I've blown it a lot, but God, you, you're faithful. Brother Bradley said that this morning. You remain faithful. Even when I don't get it right, you, you remain faithful. I'm thankful for grace tonight. I'm thankful for grace tonight. But I do know this. Um, God disciplines those He loves. That's grace too. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that moving forward. So if you want to look ahead, because <laughs> I'm sure you will, if you want to look ahead, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. 